December 20th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on the Pevav Amud Aleph at the very top. If you recall the context very briefly of the Gemara, as the Gemara had just cited a Beraita, and in the Beraita it said that if a person were to lo'alenu kidnap another, then sell them instead of to a foreigner, but rather to the father. Mecharot le'aviv, the halacha we read in that Beraita was hayav. And so then the Gemara at the top of Daf Pevav Amud Aleph over here says, Tane Tana Kameh Derav Sheshat. There was an Emora who recited and taught this Biraita in front of Rav Sheshat. Rav Sheshat, upon hearing this Biraita, couldn't accept it as being reported properly. Amale Anishoner Bishim On Omer Me'ehav Achiosienu Mirashut Ehav Veata Marta Hayav. Uh, the question that uh, uh, Rav Sheshat had was that he had an alternative statement from the rabbis wherein the Pasuk says, if you recall, ki ish gonev nefesh me'ehav. The Pasuk reports, describes to us, if a person were to kidnap another from his brothers. And the fact that it mentions from his brothers, that unnecessary word, just say, if a person steals another, the derasha in this, in this statement that, uh, that Rav Sheshat had was in the name of Rabbi Shimon, ad mirashut ehav. It's only when you remove him from his brothers, meaning outside of the familial involvement. And as a result, if he were to be stolen and sold, kidnapped and handed over to a parent, to someone who's a part of the family, in such a circumstance, you wouldn't be hayav mitah. It's wrong and you, and you violate it, but you didn't violate this isur to the extent you'd be hayav mitah. As a result, Rav Sheshat questions this individual who's reciting this Beraitai. He says, I don't think you're reporting it properly. According to your version, if it's mecharo le'aviv, if it was a kidnapped individual and then sold to the father, hayav, says Rav Sheshat, can't be. Taneh, rather instead you should teach when you report this Beraitai, fix it. Patur, it should be reported as patur. You should recite this beraita with the word le aviv patur, not hayav. Says the Gemara, what sort of question is that, Rav Sheshat? Never heard of a mahloket? Never heard of different opinions, both in the time of the Gemara, but even from the time of the Mishnah? So you have this statement from Rabbi Shimon, of course, a rabbi from the time of Mishnah and beraita. That beraita was an anonymous one. Uh, so you have two statements, uh, one from Rabbi Shimon, the other from, we'll call it Hachamim, no, state, no name attached to it. But we'll say it's a mahlokit, my kushya. Knowingly you buy somebody who is kidnapped, anything on the person is the buyer? Not a hayuv mitah as per the Torah, uh, wrongful involvement, maybe lifne iver, I don't know. Uh, so it's a good question. What's that? Yeah, he said knowingly. You're, you're compliant to it. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the obligation at the very least. Certainly, you're doing the wrong thing. Says Gemara, my kushya. What's the question over here? Dilma, maybe uh, we can easily resolve this. Had Bishimon, your statement, Rav Sheshat, was in the name of Rabbi Shimon. The earlier statement was anonymous. Ha, Rabbanan. That would be. Um, presenting the opinion of the Hachamim, those who disagree with Rabbi Shimon. Generally speaking, he who disagrees with Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Yehuda. And the Gemara mentions Rabbanan, it doesn't per se mean the majority of the rabbis, it means the other opinion, the side that we're not mentioning. Anyway, that being the case, why did you get so uh, banged up over this, Rav Sheshat? 
Why were you so certain that the words that were uh, mentioned earlier in that Beraita are wrong? It should say Patur. Says the Gemara, I can't be. I'll tell you why Rav Sheshat was so adamant about changing the word because he couldn't accept that what we quoted at the bottom of the Amud here on Daf Pehe, Amud Bet, was actually in the name of anyone but Rabbi Shimon. Why not? You can't, you should not think to suggest that those words, again, and so on and so forth, and where it says over there that if it's even if it's it's hayab, that has to be in the name of Rabbi Shimon. Why does that have to be? But it wasn't. Because it goes like this, I said, yes, this is the only place. I, I now look at the little, uh, the little Aleph next, so there's two other places in Talmud where this is uh, mentioned. I always quoted from Sanhedrin Daf Pevav, it's the first place this was taught to me from. Anyway, it says over here, Setam Matnitin, if you have a Setam Mishnah, Mishnah that's anonymous, doesn't record the name of who's speaking, of who's teaching, that's Rabbi Meir. You always assume a Mishnah, unless it tells you otherwise, is recording the opinion of Rabbi Meir, that's a Stam Mishnah. Uh, likewise, setam tosefta. Tosefta, generally speaking, we're talking about different additions that I taught to the Mishnah Tosef. It means an addition. We might be specifically referring over here to the collection of Rabbi Hiya. It's Rabbi Nehemiah. That would be uh, mentioning the opinion. That would be recording the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. So if you were to open to a Mishnah, it's a setam Mishnah without a name recorded. Assume it's Rabbi Meir. You open to a Tosefta, and you assume Rabbi Nehemiah. Setam Sifra, as we mentioned yesterday, Sifra is the Midrash Halakha, also known as Torah Kohanim and Sefer Vayikra. If you open to Sifra, we have the book. Sifra, sometimes the Gemara will quote passages from Sifra. Rabbi Yehuda, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Setam Sifre, what if it's from the Midrash Halakha called Sifre, the books on Bimidbar and Devarim. Again, there's no name per se mentioned in the text that you're reading. Whose opinion should you assume it is? Who's the anonymous author, so to speak? Rabbi Shimon. Oh, that's the most important line over here. Uh, before we come back to that line, Vikulhu and each of these, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Uda, Rabbi Nehemiah, Rabbi Meir, Aliba, they're according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. They're all really mentioning the opinion of their rabbi, which they then digested and transmitted of Rabbi Akiva. That's an amazing statement. It means Rabbi Akiva, if you take a step back before the context of our Gemara, Rabbi Akiva, it's nothing we don't know already, but now to stop and ponder that for a moment, Rabbi Akiva really is at the bedrock. He is the source of our Torah Shabbat. When you're reading pretty much any of our traditional sources from the time of Mishnah, it's all his students. Those are the primary uh, speakers and teachers which makes a lot of sense as well, because the way the Hachamim describe it, is that after the death of his students, after the loss of a certain tradition in Torah Shba'opeh, he goes uh, to the Darom, he goes to the south of Eretz Israel, and he finds several students. All their names, most of their names are reported over here. Rabbi Nehemiah is not per se reported over there. That means this is, to a certain extent, this is his regathering, regrouping, and then sending out the tradition as he had it. Oh, why does our Gemara mention this for us over here? Because it goes like this. We quoted at the bottom of the Amud over here from this Beraita, the Tanya Idach, Kimaseh. This Tanya Idach is citing from a Pasuk in Sefer Devarim. That, this whole Dirashah, the bottom four lines of the page on the Pehe Amud Bet, if you were to open up a book called Sifre, the Midrash Halakha, and Sefer Devarim, that's where you'd find those words. And you notice there's no name mentioned 
means. What should we assume? The anonymous uh, author, in other words, if there's not recorded who said it in Sifre, we're supposed to assume it's Rabbi Shimon. And then this Beraita, which we had afterwards recited from Rav Sheshat, is Rabbi Shimon. It means there can't be a contradiction. You can't suggest one's Rabbi Shimon, the other one's Hachamim. No, the anonymous author in Sifre is none other than Rabbi Shimon. Therefore, said Rav Sheshat, you have to change the wording. It can't be the word Hayav on Mecharo Aviv. It's rather patur. Does anyone want you? Is it appropriate to kidnap and sell to a father? Certainly not. Are you liable to death penalty? The suggestion here in our Gemara is that you are not. Says the Gemara, okay, Hagonev Beno. In our Mishnah, moving ahead in the cases of kidnapping, it said Hagonevet Beno. Yeah. Father's the number one person who could have taken it. <laughs> right? I, I suppose so. So maybe that's, I, I don't know. Because it's like automatic. So you, if anything, you're, you're questioning. Why, why would we make this more, uh, more, more, more easy? I don't know. Uh, if not, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, thinking out loud, maybe, maybe we want to make it specifically so. And it's, we want you to sell to the father so you won't be liable to death penalty and he's going to be the one who's going to end up paying ransoming his death. Uh, if you say, I'm going to be Hayaf Mitan, and no, no, here's your way to not be Hayaf. I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, said, the Mishnah said to us um, that uh, there were several halachot, but what about Hagonev Beno? There was a mahlok in our Mishnah, Hagonev Beno, Mishmael Beno, Sherbi Yohanan Ben Beroka, Mehayev. According to the first opinion, that of Rabbi Ishmael, your hayav, if you were to um, kidnap your own child, strange thing that a person might do. Hachamim potri and the hachamim disagree. Of course, the more difficult opinion to wrap your head around is the hachamim. So the Gemara doesn't even question Rabbi Ishmael. Uh, Rabbi Ishmael, of course, you'd be hayav, kidnap the child, kidnap the person. According to Hachamim, says the Gemara, what's the reasoning of the Hachamim? Why would they say that you're patur in a circumstance, a situation where you were gonevet beno? Amar abayede, amar kera, ki perat lamasui. Abaye suggests that the Pasuk says, ki if it were found, ish gonev nefesh mehav. It's almost as if this happened to be. It's not a matter which is uh, somewhat apparent and present. Uh, if I'm in a home with my child, that's a kimatze. Oh, it happened to be that he, he can't. No, 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 the child was there all the time. Of course, kimatze denotes in the eyes of Abaye something. It's hinting at an out-of-the-norm situation. Of course, to to steal and to kidnap a child is out of the norm. But the fact that it fell to the father, the fact that they encountered one another, that's not ki It's not living in your I have no idea. There you go. Everyone with their own terrible imaginations can come up with a case over here. I mentioned yesterday, Jared, we needed you for a lot of this. Now, not because you have a wonderful imagination. No, no. It was to give us to give us background and give us some some uh, some meaning to all this. Because for me, it's 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 legal terminology in cases which I can't wrap my head around. I don't know. Perat la matsui. It's coming to exclude the individual who's there, meaning the child. And Jared says it's a custody case. It's a child with a divorce and so forth. Amale Rav Papa la Abaye. Rav Papa turns Abaye and he has a problem. He has a problem from a technical aspect, not an emotional, not a circumstantial issue. Technical. Elame Ata. What about the following other pasuk, which uses an identical wording? Ki Masé. Ishochev im isha beulat ba'al. 
And the Pasuk describes if a person has relations with an Eshetish. And it says, Ki matzeh. Ki matzeh, you just told me, I wasn't a parent, it wasn't ready, it wasn't present. Are you telling me, Abaye, according to your reading, in following and explaining the opinion of Hachamim, Ki matzeh perad la matzui? Are you telling me the only time a person's liable to punishment for relations with an eshetish, with a married woman, is when she's not nearby and present and masui kigon bet peloni What about, and the Gemara blanks out the, the, the family name over here, it says, what about the household of Ploni? Uh, all right, fill in a, fa- a family name. Uh, Rashi says we purposely leave it out because we're talking genai, we're talking da- we're talking uh, in a downward fashion. These people live in an inappropriate way. It's not asur, says Rashi. They're not having yehud. They're not secluding one another with eshetish uh, with someone else's wife, but they live in the same household. They live uh, married couples, one next to the other which is inappropriate, the Gemara is telling us. Okay, they live inappropriately. It's not per se in sin. There's no Yehud, Rashi points out. However, the fact that they're living inappropriately, inappropriately in an inappropriate fashion, we're going to leave out their name. But that family, says, uh, says the counterclaim here uh, to Abayev, that, that family, asks Rav Papa, are you telling me that if Lo Alein or Barminan, they have relations one with the other, they, uh, they mix, mix uh, spouses, they're not going to be liable to death penalty? No, no, of course they are. But wait a second, they live in the same household. It's one room across the hall from the other. They're just a whole way apart. That's Matsui Kivar. You told me that when the Pasuk says, it's coming to exclude the Matsui Kivar, to a circumstance, situation where they're already there, like the child and the father. Well, over here, they're already there. This bet peloni amar le says Abaye explaining himself. All right, I didn't mean from ki matze. I meant more specifically ana. I meant mi venimsa beyado ka'amina. Ka'amina. I was saying. I was saying really from those words afterwards nimsa beyado ki matze might be used in the Torah. Kederch ben lashon ben adam. Yeah, all right. Doesn't mean that it was uh, coming to exclude another venimsa beyado, and it happened to have been found in his hand. Oh, those words you have here by the kidnapping, you don't have those by Eshetish. Amar Rava says Rava in concluding this, and here's the most startling statement, at least in my opinion. Hilkach, therefore, Hane Mikre Dardeke, the teachers to young children, Umatnu Rabbanan, and they, they, they teach them Mikra to young children, Pesukim, and those who teach Mishnayot to others, uh, those rabbis who are teaching Mishnayot, Kimesuyin Beyadandame. We consider the students, uh, the protégés, the dardeke, the others, as if they're present, and therefore uptire, they're patur. If they were to kidnap, nobody thinks they should, certainly prohibited, but they're not chayav mitah. That's the statement here in the Gemara. We're accepting this halacha. Of course, it was mahloket. Rabim versus Yahid, Hachamim versus Rabbi Ishmael, beno shel Rabbi Yohanan ben Beroka, if you're gonev et beno, and in turn, we're being posek like the hachamim. And as a result, we're suggesting Rava is that if you have a parallel case, not just a child, but a situation where they're very much close to one another. They see each other all the time. They're hanging out with one another on a daily, consistent basis. Kematsui beyado. It's not vinim sabiyado. It's not something out of the norm. Oh, it happened to have been found in his hand. And as a result, petire, they're not hayav mita.
Ganav Mishachetio Vechulei. The Gemara continues. Uh, we had in our Mishnah, uh, one of the last cases over here. What's the halacha if it's Ganav, the last case? Ganav Mishachetio Eved Vechetio Ben Horin. Let me repeat to you the case. There's a slave, an Eved Kena'ani. He was owned by partners. One of the partners freed him, was Mishachrer. The other's holding on to him as a slave. And now a person, in turn, steals this slave. Now we saw the halacha at the very bottom of the page on Daf Amudbet that Hagonevet Avadim Patur. If you were to steal a Eved Kena'ani, you're Patur from death penalty. We had a Dirasha for that as well. But what about if it's a Hetzio Eved Hetzio Ben Horin? On the one hand, he still has half of him owned to one of those partners as an Evid. On the other hand, uh, half of him, to a certain extent, is freed. What's the halachar biuda mehayev hachamim potrin? It's mahluk between biuda and hachamim. Says the Gemara, let's fill this out and give it some flesh. Tenan hatam, the Mishnah elsewhere teaches the following in Masechet Bavakamar. Biuda omer en la avadim boshet. And when it comes to the liabilities, the, the obligations of a person who damaged or did wrong to another, among them, and we've mentioned them, Rshevet, Ripui, Boshet, Nezek, Sa'ar, there's all sorts of eighth perik and Masechet Bavakama details. This one of them is Boshet. Again, how do you determine it? The Gemara deals with that, but Boshet means to embarrass. And so you have to pay a, a, a determined amount with regards to each situation, with regards to embarrassing that individual. When it comes to a slave, if a person were to damage a slave and in turn to the standard person, it would incur upon them the obligation of paying for the embarrassment. When it comes to an Eved, there's no such obligation. That's interesting. That's a strange uh, statement of slaves don't have embarrassment. Do you have something you can point to? Is this a psychological statement or is it a legal statement uh, from the Torah? Where did Rabbi Uda derive that from? Of course, again, and at the back burner, we have our Mishnah in our context. That according to Rabbi Uda, there's a mahluk between Rabbi Uda and Hachamim about Misha Hetio Evet Hetio Ben Horin. Hayav, if you were to kidnap, Hachamim Patur, leave that on the back and pay attention for a moment or two to bullshit and we'll bring it back to our Mishnah. Okay, but now back into our issue. Bullshit. What's the reason? Where did Rabbi Yehuda come up with such a concept that if a person were to cause damage and in turn in a, in a objective circumstance, in a outside of Avdut situation, he'd be causing bullshit to an Eved. There's no uh, there's no Hayyuf bullshit. Amar kera ki inatsu anashim yahtav ish ve'ahiv mishiyesh lo ahava and so let's uh, digest that first and foremost. Here's a pasuk. Pasuk is in Sefer Devarim. It describes two people fighting one with the other. If two people are fighting one with the other, two men fighting with one another. Ooh, did you notice those words? The man and his brother. Those are all extra words. Now tell me what happened. Instead, the pasuk pauses and it says, Ish ve'ahiv, the man and his brother. Let's leave those words on the side for a moment. And what happens is, uh, the wife of one of these two men who are brawling and fighting, and says, I'm going to save my husband. I'll do whatever I can. And she outstretches her hand and she holds on to the private part of one of the individuals. And the Torah says, well, What you're supposed to do in the literal sense is you cut off her hand. 
Uh, Rashi quotes from the, the Rashid quotes the Derashav, the Hachamim elsewhere, that you find the Pasuk Lo Tahos Enecha in both circumstances. We have a Gezerah Shavav, we have a Limut to understand that the cutting off of her hand doesn't mean an actual cutting off of her hand, rather means she pays money. She pays money, what did she do wrong? All she did was Again, it's a strange, terrible thing, but what she do? That's an embarrassing thing. It might cause damage. And furthermore, it's embarrassing, and she has to pay for that, for her actions in that moment. In fact, the Torah describes the private parts, which she outstretches her hand to damage and turn about bimvushav. It's causing him bullshit. It's causing him embarrassment. Okay, that being the case, this is the source in the Torah, for our purposes, for tashlume bullshit, for paying for the embarrassment of another, right? Okay, that much uh, we need to establish. Now, the second thing we need to do is return to those words in the Pasuk. Ish ve'achiv, man and his brother. It means that the only time says Rabbi Yehuda, there's a hiyuv boshet, there's an obligation of paying for this embarrassment, is it's mishiyesh lo ahava. It's an individual who has brotherhood. Now, we don't mean brotherhood. Everybody, different people have everyone. If you have a child, if, if you have a brother, you have a brother. What do we mean to have a brother? Yatza Evich in Lo Ahava. What do we mean to have a brother? Of course, he has a brother. We mean in the halachic sense. Rashi quotes from the Gemara Masechet Kiddushin and Daf Samechet, where the Gemara is Doresh the Pesukim in Parashat Vayera by Akedat Yitzhak, where the Pasuk says, Shvu lachem po'im ha-hamor. And the Derasha is, instead of saying, stay here with the donkey, is really, in the eyes of the rabbi, saying, Am hadome lahamor. It's likening uh, those who are not Jews in terms of halachic status like donkeys. Oh, that's terrible. Not, not so terrible. We're talking in terms of lineage. We're talking in terms of familial association. We don't mean that they are donkeys. We mean in terms of the halachic sense. Do we consider this the brother of this individual? The answer is am hadome lahamor. That's what the Gemara over there suggests for us and teaches us. Ah, oh, back in our Gemara before we'll just briefly mention Tosafot in a moment, but back in our Gemara, that's the Derash Avrubiudah, piece everything together. The Pasuk talks about Boshet in the Torah and Sefer Devarim. Ve'chazika bim vushav, but it says more specifically, ish ve'achiv. We understand that Boshet is specifically and only applicable when it is someone who has Ahava, someone who has familial relationships in the halachic sense, in the Torah uh, prism and lenses. That being the case, Yasa Eved. Eved is an Amadome Lahamor. Eved is outside of our nation. And as a result, there's no bullshit obligations. We haven't established anything other than that halacha. Any Jew specifically. Aha, so Tosafot questions this on the left hand side, the second Tosafot, Yasa Eved, Sheino Ahava. Piresh Bakuntres, as Tosafot Rashi explained, of course Rashi is referred to by Tosafot as the Kuntres, the notebook. Eved in im achiv bene aviv dichtiv im hachamor am hadome lachamor. Okay, so they cited from Rashi. The kashe as Tosafot, this is difficult. The imken ger a convert umeshuchrar or a slave which was freed. Name they too shouldn't have bullshit. And Tosafot knows that's inconceivable. Why would a ger who's now part of the nation? Why would a meshuchrar who's now to a large extent a part of the nation? And we'll discuss what that means later on. Why would they uh, not get the tashlume? Bullshit. Of course they get bullshit. They now have familial relations. Oh, but they were Amadomela Hamor, Gerim lost their initial lineage. 
uh, a convert, we say, which means to say a child is as if a child, he's as if born a child, he loses his familial uh, connections. Particularly and specifically when we say they don't have brotherhood, they don't have a connection in terms of family, it means in terms of future descendants, not in terms of they themselves. All right, they themselves don't need to necessarily. Do the future generations, when it's a convert, they do. The future generations are now Jews. When it's a mishuhrar, when it's a freed slave, the future generations do as well. Okay. Either way, you slice it in terms of Rashi or Tosafot explaining this Gemara, we now explain the opinion of Rabbi Yudah. V'Rabbanan, Hachamim, how do you interpret this? After all, Rabbi Yudah has a great claim. Hachamim, uh, how do you explain why Eved does have Busha, does have Boshet? Savar, V'Rabbanan, Achivu B'Mitzvot. Says, says the Gemara that the Hachamim would respond that when the Pasuk says, Ki yinatsu anashim yahtav ish ve'achiv, achiv includes even a slave. Even a slave? Why, why a slave? Because a slave is a part of mitzvot. Might not be a familial relations in the same way. He has mitzvot. Where does a slave have mitzvot? That's right. The Gemara elsewhere teaches that we have a gezerah shava lah lah me'isha. The same way women are obligated in all mitzvot, aside from positive time bound mitzvot, so to evet kana'ani. And as a result, anyone and everyone who's a part of the mitzvot, like a woman, meaning an evet kana'ani, they're a part of this. Okay, so if you boil it down to uh, the following, there's a dispute between biudan hachamim about whether an evet kana'ani has boshet, tashlumet boshet, or not. Ah, now says the Gemara, let me understand again. Rabiudah says over there, we say that a slave is not my brother. A slave is outside, in the And as a result, no bullshit. What was Rabbi Uda's opinion in our Mishnah again? What was the issue in our Mishnah? The issue in our Mishnah was Hatsi Eved, Hatsi Ben Hori. What did Rabbi Uda say? In such a circumstance, if you were to kidnap, said Rabbi Uda, Hayav. Why Hayav? If anything, the reason you're going to be Hayav is because the Pasuk says in the context, Mi'ehav, it needs to be from your brethren when it comes to, to, to kidnapping. And Rabbi Uda, you yourself told me that slaves are not part of my brethren, whether Rashi or Tosaf or whatever it is. Ultimately speaking, you're contradicting yourself, Rabbi Uda. over here, Hechidarish, Rabbi Uda. Rather, Hechidarish, question mark. And says the Gemara, so over here, how's Rabbi Uda explain us, answers the Gemara, Rabbi Uda Savar me'ehav la'afuke avadim b'nei Yisrael l'ma'uteh mishichatyo eved v'chatyo ben chorim. Mi b'nei Yisrael l'ma'uteh mishichatyo eved v'chatyo ben chorim have mi'uta har mi'ut ve'en mi'uta har mi'ut ela l'rabot. Says the Gemara, all right, we, we got your contradiction, we understand that and we accept it, but here, in our specific circumstance, it's a little bit more detailed and intricate than there by bullshit. How so? Uh, well, you have to pay attention to the Pesukim. The Pesukim are more redundant, seemingly, over here. Because the Pesukim over here, by kidnapping, have the following statement. If it's stolen, me'ehav, first and foremost. What's me'ehav? Me'ehav means from his brethren. Now that comes to exclude full-fledged slaves. Full-fledged slaves and the Ahava. All right. Then the pasuk says, "Mi bnei Yisrael." Bnei Yisrael would come to exclude furthermore half slave and half free. 
But then the pasuk furthermore is exclusive because that mem mi benesa from benesa, meaning even if they have some connection, the maute again says uh, that's coming as well to exclude um, a half slave, half freed person. Again, the first word in the pasuk that we're paying attention to from his brothers, me'ehav, uh, that would say not slaves. That's how the Biudah will read that. Okay, clear. And uh, it seems everyone agrees to that. If a slave is stolen, we saw it in the Beraita at the bottom of Dafpehe, Amudbet, that it's patur. What about if it's half? Half Ben Horin, half Ben Ezra. Ben Israel. Ben Israel means full fledged from Ben Israel. Furthermore, the Pasuk says, Mi Ben Israel. The fact that you have Ben Israel first, which is already what we call a mi'ud, an exclusive statement, excluding others, and then Mi Ben Israel, from Ben Israel, it's another exclusive word or letter in this context from B'nai Israel. Oh, why is the Pasuk being so exclusive? From and from and blah. That's, that's the concept that we have in the, in the, in the Gemara of mi'ut ahan mi'ut. You might call it a double negative. The fact that the Torah gives an exclusivity uh, followed by an exclusivity, it's balirabot. The only reason the Torah would be doing that is uh, imagine it like a double negative. The fact that the Torah says not this and not this, it's coming to tell you, but there is something that fits in there. That's the technical uh, aspect and direction of the Gemara. Then we've resolve the contradiction. Whereas on the one hand, Rabbi Uda's opinion is when it comes to an Eved and with regards to Busha and La Busha, why? Me'ehav. Or the um, Pasuk says over there, Me'ehav, that's right, uh, in, in the context of, uh, of, of fighting. Uh, I'm sorry, Ve'ahiv. Oh, but I, we say that in contrast over here in the kidnapping because we have a derasha, mi'uta han mi'ut l'rabot. Says the Gemara v'rabbanan, Me'ahiv, Hachamim, how do you explain this? Because after all, Hachamim disagreed with Rabbi Yudah. Hachamim's opinion was that ben Horin, if you recall in Amishnah, Patur, Avadim. First and foremost, Me'ahav, same way as Rabbi Yudah, that's coming to exclude slaves. We said everyone agrees to that. Um, but uh, the truth is, they didn't read it like that. They do exclude slaves, but Lamashma' Lehu. Uh, they won't accept that the initial words in the pasuk when it says from his brethren is coming to exclude a slave. Why not? Then the hachamim already explained themselves. They think that in a, in a certain sense, slaves are a part of it, brethren. We know that already from Busha. The hachamim said if a person were to cause that embarrassment to the slave, what's the halacha? Hayav, no, Biudah said patur, right? Why they say hayav? Because he's ahiv b'mitzvot, because he too has to perform the mitzvot like a woman. That as a result, when the pasuk says me'ehav, it's not coming to exclude a slave. There are words that will exclude a slave, but not me'ehav. As a result, you now have uh, the, this pasuk of b'nei Israel and mi b'nei Israel. Uh, we said that was a double negative to come to say that hatyoyev hatyoyev ben chorin. According to the hachamim, it's not a double negative. The first exclusion of mi'ut is evet. The second exclusion is going to be hatyoyev hatyoyev ben chorin. It means according to the hachamim, such a circumstance patur. Uh, maybe that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Maybe that's why Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with the Hachamim. He won't accept Me'ehav as a Hib B'mitzvot. He's not actually a Hib B'mitzvot. Whereas the Hachamim say, oh, come on, he is. You know, so there's certain things. I mean, I guess, I guess it's the vantage point of Rabbi Yehuda and Hachamim with regards to women as well. Are they, uh, you know, 
Are, are they ahiv to a certain extent or not? Uh, anyway, says the guy something along those lines. It has to be says the Gemara again. The ahivu b'mitzvot bnei Israel mi bnei Israel had lemaute eved had lemaute mishachacho eved chacho ben chorin. Okay, that's the end of this machlok. And now says the Gemara, we need to flesh out and finish all of our conversations with regards to kidnapping. And before we move on, we have to find all our sourcing. So what we've been dealing with until now is the pesukim that describe the punishment. That's what we call Anish. We've been well aware, we've mentioned it more than once in our Gemara and elsewhere, that in Anshin Elaim Ken Mazirin, the Torah will not just record a statement of if you do this, you'll be punished. If it doesn't sec- separately have, do not do this. So you need a separate do not do this, and then you'll find if you do this, you have a punishment. And the Hachamim always have that challenge. Where's the Azara? They always want to find that Azara. It's more a challenge than anything else because it couldn't be that there'd be a punishment in the Torah without a warning as well. Okay, but says the Gemara, Azara legonev nefesh minayin. So where is that Pasuk that uh, records for us, presents for us the Azara, the warning, the prohibition of uh, stealing, uh, uh, kidnapping the life of another. Rabbi Yoshia Amar Milotignov. Rabbi Yoshia will suggest, and the Gemara will uh, elaborate on this in the, in the bottom of the page over here. It says, from the Pasuk in the Aseret Berot. Pasuk says, Lotignov. Most people will translate it as, don't steal. Rabbi Yoshia, and the Gemara later on will explain to us, it means, don't steal a life. So you may have been taught this as a child. You might not be familiar exactly with how we derive it. It's this Gemara. I'll tell you already where the Gemara derives it from, where the Biyoshia is referring to. It's uh, what's called the Davar Halamed Me'inyano. It's a matter which is uh, determined from its context. And the fact that this Pasuk of Lotignov is mentioned around the same prohibitions as Lotirsach and Lotinaf, don't murder and don't commit adultery. Those, of course, are high-level prohibitions. You get death penalty for them. Lotignov, as well, the understanding is something you'd get death penalty for. For just stealing, not a good thing to do, but you don't get death penalty. It must be, it's referring to kidnapping. Okay, that's what Rabbi says. There's my Azharar. It says, Pasuk in the Torah says that Am Yisrael should not be sold as, the, uh, as, as eternal slaves. Of course, that's in the context of, of being set free on, uh, on, on your veil, but uh, specifically for us, the statement then is, you should not be sold. Well, you should not be sold. That's Azara, that you shouldn't be selling, uh, selling lives. Says the Gemara, Vela Rabbi Rabbi in truth, even though they presented to Psukim, one Lotiknov and Lo Yimachiru, they really fundamentally agree, Morka Hashiv Lav Digneva, Morka Hashiv Lav Demechira. They're really just presenting two sides of the same coin. What are the two sides of that same coin? One presents the Isu the love of the uh, geneva of kidnapping and the other the other side of the same coin the love of mechirav then selling again they combine if a person were to wrongfully act and kidnap to make a uh, prohibition which is liable by death penalty but it's really two facets that are put in Okay, it wouldn't be Hayav according to either one of the opinions. That's clear. You need, you, you need the two in tandem in order to be Hayav Mita. Uh, the Gemara here now quotes this Biraital. We'll just read the first line of it. Tanur Rabbanan, Lotignov. That's the Pasuk Rabbi Yoshia quoted a moment ago from the Aseret Adiberot. Begonev Nefashot Akatuv Medaber. You should understand that's referring to kidnapping. Says the Biraital. Talmir Begonev Nefashot Oe Noela Begonev Mamon. Maybe it's actually talking about stealing money. It's a regular thief. 
the one you'd be, you and I would be talking. You should derive this from one of the 13 ways of deriving law from the Torah. Rabbi Ishmael teaches us there are 13, which we have by Masora tradition. What are they? is the most important one for us in this context. You'd learn it from the context. The same way the Pesukim that are before and after are are dealing with prohibitions which lead to death penalty. So to is Lotiknov. It must be Begonev Nefashot. Amen.